This is Brian Kramer, author of Shareology, How Sharing Powers the Human Economy. And there's no B2B or B2C. It's HH, human to human. And you are listening to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Hello, and welcome to this hopefully short-lived series that will be airing in addition to the weekly marketing book podcast interviews. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal during this unusual time is to reconnect you with past guests on the Marketing Book Podcast, share some ideas and inspiration, and maybe a much-needed laugh or two. I've interviewed over 200 authors on the show, and my plan is to continue this series until I either run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first. A word of warning, the host and guest may very likely be drinking cocktails during these conversations. I mean, come on. They are recorded during the cocktail hour. To find the show notes for each episode with pictures of each guest and links mentioned in their conversation, visit marketingbookcocktails.com. Marketingbookcocktails.com. See what I did there? And if you'd like to join the conversation, email a voice recording to me at douglas at salesartillery.com, and I'll try to include it in a future episode. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat. Brian Kramer, welcome to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Cheers. How are you? Cheers. I'm doing great. It's been a while, and so I'm so happy to be back uh, here with you. It's my pleasure, and uh, I did notice that you are drinking a Corona beer, so you know I see what you're doing there. Yeah, I mean, when you do a cocktail hour podcast, that kind of gives you the leeway to drink in the afternoon. So yes. I'm, I'm grateful. <laughs> That's right. And uh, it's the afternoon for you. It's uh, a little after five for me because I'm on the East Coast. But you know what they say, it's always five o'clock somewhere. You are in mm -hmm. San Jose, right? That's correct. Do you know the way to San Jose? Well, you were on the Marketing Book Podcast for episode 39 in October of 2015. And last week, I published episode 281. So you were a very early supporter of the Marketing Book Podcast, and I really appreciate that. And then after I interviewed you, I got to meet you at the Inbound Conference at Boston, and I got my picture taken with you. Um, and just then, Security finally responded to your call, asking uh, for them to you know take me away from you, and, and I'm used to that, Brian. I I get that all the time. So, for folks that haven't listened to episode 39 yet, and there are some serious binge listeners on this podcast because I can look back at the analytics and see that people are listening to every single episode every week. Tell folks who you are and what you do, and then I'm going to add in a few things. Sure. Yeah. Let's see. It's changed a little bit since we talked last. So last we spoke, I was uh, the CEO of a marketing firm called Pure Matter. And we had that firm for about 17 years. Uh, and at the same time, at, towards the end, this would be about three and a half years ago, I um, I ended up getting a little burned out because I was speaking, you know, 175 to 200 days a year. And it was too much to be on the road and run the agency. Um, although I enjoyed both, love both, I ended up. Um, uh, I was I was um, uh, job sharing co co 
owning the the agency with my wife. We're still married. Thank thank God. Um, but yes, we I should add. You were running the agency. You were speaking that much. You have a very attractive wife. If you don't, you know, we're in the other parts of the country, so I can tell you that. And you Aww. have two kids. Yes. Yeah. And it was just a lot. And so I, we had a really good conversation, a hard conversation, but a good one, and decided to exit the agency world. And um, there was a lot of things that ha- that were going on at the same time that made it easy for that conversation to. To, to happen as well and kind of follow more of the passion of what what we're doing on the speaking side and 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 I had it all all at the same time also um, you know had a little too many um, club sandwiches at hotels all, all over the place so I was putting on weight um, I, it was a bad country song I, I got diabetes like it was it was not oh, no. you know it, and so my health was was suffering and I realized like even though I was having the time of my life I wasn't taking care of myself. And so it really made the decision a little easier to exit and start looking at what the next evolution of our lives look like. And so we did that and, um, and it worked out really well. It was the best decision, hardest, best decision that we made. And, um, so now Courtney became a CMO at a leadership company, um, for the last three years. She recently actually stepped down, but, um, uh, but she had a, the time of her life there. And then I became an executive coach, uh, business performance coach. And I used everything that I learned at the agency and at my previous two uh, agencies and, and my whole life, I just, you know, started working with executives to help them, um, it, not just executives, but entrepreneurs and executives to help them do what I just did, basically write books, get on stage, speak, find their story, um, develop their personal brand, um, all of that. And it just, um, it, it created this much nicer, easier place. And I lost the 60 pounds. I lost diabetes and I'm, a, I'm a healthier, m- more mindful, happy person now. Congratulations. You know, the changes like that in one's life are the things that most people dream of. And uh, if I had to guess, you would tell us that all that was not easy, but um, you seem to be much happier. I stalk you on... uh, on social media. I enjoy all the videos, <laughs> you too, and as well as your wife. And you look so much younger. I, I guess other people must have told you that when you, when you lose weight like that. Yeah, I don't know. I still have hair loss. So um, that that part didn't, uh, didn't correct that part, but, um, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> well, there you go. So uh, what is going on in your quarantine world? What, if anything, changed for you all? Mm. You know, that's a, it's, I want to say not much in everything. Um, and the not much part is we already work at home. So both of us mm-hmm. work at home when this hit already, we were home a hundred percent of the time. Um, so that part didn't change. We have one child now in college. And so that didn't change. Um, however, we, our other child slash not so little, he's now 16 is home. And, um, and so there's just like a little added, not a little, there's a lot added, um, to, you know, the day of, Hey, you know, we're on phone calls all the time. This is a work day for us. So, um, be careful about how loud you whistle. (laughs) He's a happy kid. He's a very happy kid. So he whistles all the time and I actually hate quieting him down when he's happy, but, um, I just tell him, please whistle inside your head. (laughs) That's Um, great. Now the older one, the older one came home from college, I guess. No, no, she's still, she's still living on her own, uh, with her boyfriend in Michigan. She just actually got, she graduated 
her um, junior college and she's now uh, got accepted to art college and she's going to be attending. Um, she got accepted at Oregon and she's waiting to hear back from Washington where she really wants to go. And then she'll make that decision and, and move on to a, uh, 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 an art, art degree. So oh, terrific. Uh, yeah, we're really excited about that. Is there any uncertainty about if the school's going to open in the fall? Yeah. Um, there's always uncertainty. I mean, who knows, who knows what's going to happen for anything anywhere at any time now, um, you know, 30 days from now, everything could be different. I think schools are, um, announcing, uh, different things in different parts of the country. And so we're, we're really just not sure. I think what she'll end up doing is still moving in, into the area, no matter what, because she knows she wants to attend. And if, if it opens great, and if not, uh, she'll wait, she'll, you know, find a job work. And then when it does open, go into school. So it's, she's in a nice place in life where she can do that. Yeah. I've also heard that this next academic year could possibly become the mother of all gap years. Oh my God. I can only imagine. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I would, I would, I I think that no one has any answers right now. I mean, the, the, my son's school, uh, if you were passing a class, if you, if you had a passing grade in your class, he, he was a sophomore in high school, that was it. You didn't have to do anything further. There was no online anything. Mm. Uh, there was no, I mean, the, 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 some of the teachers did stuff, but it wasn't required if you, cause if you passed, if you, if you had a passing degree, you didn't even have to go on. Now we encouraged him to do it. And, and he did most of the time just to ex- exercise his brain and do something. But, um, but still there was no, um, there's no reason there's no, um, there's no, n- nothing in it for him on the, um, uh, you know, on, on the academic level to want to push harder. It, it they just weren't ready for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Brian Kramer, I've got to make an admission to you after all these years. I have to tell you something. First off, let me ask, uh, your book, There Is No B2B and B2C, It's Human to Human. Was that, that was published in 2014, I think? That sounds about right. 2014. Okay. So, I didn't interview you about that. I interviewed you about your other sh- book, Shareology, which was uh, very interesting. And But it's only taken me about six years and almost 300 books to finally catch up <laughs> to this human-to-human thing. It's like, oh, man, I'm really going to pay attention to him now. And I say that because I'm a slow learner, Brian Kramer, but there have been enough books on the podcast over the last five or so years where, uh, you know, about the brain and about trust and uh, about the online world that this concept of looking, uh, of appearing human online, certainly, uh, and even offline is so important. And uh, it's even more important from a digital standpoint. And there have been so many books that have touched on this human to human. I'll give you an example. Dr. Philip Kotler, the father of modern marketing. He was episode 100. His book, Marketing 4.0. Mark Schaefer, who you know. uh, His book, Marketing Rebellion, Most Human Company Wins. There was even another book in the last year by Todd Capone called The Transparency Sale. And he talks about all this clinical research that he combs through and finds. It talks about why that is so much more appealing, you know, being transparent, leading with your weaknesses. So, um, 
I guess sometimes Brian Kramer must be thinking, you know, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because everyone else is catching up to what I was talking about in 2014. So if you could share with the listener, and as I said to you before we started recording, anytime I say the word share to Brian Kramer, I get very self-conscious and we'll talk about that in a minute, but talk a bit about your first book, There Is No B2B or B2C, It's Human to Human. Yeah, I love um, I love talking about it. It's, uh, it's still something that I, uh, as as you can imagine, it still feels just as relevant today, if not even more so as when I when I wrote it. Actually, um, it's even I, more relevant during this pandemic. I even saw you wrote yeah. about that in your blog, but yeah, yeah please. I did, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, so the idea behind the book when I, when it first came out was, um, was uh, around social, uh, our social engagement, social media, what had happened, which really isn't that long, long ago when social media came on the scene and what social media did just as a gentle reminder for those who forgot, because we already, t- we take social for granted. Now, <laughs> right. Um, it really, um, it really gave a voice to the customer. Uh, and when the customer, a public voice, we never had a voice. It was always the brand, um, shouting out over advertising and, um, or may, or creating awareness, I should say. And, um, and now, uh, well, in, tw- at least in, in the early, uh, you know, 2010, 20 through 2014, um, plus or minus a few years, um, that, that changed. We, we could talk with the brand, the brand could talk back with us and that changed everything. So that was the first thing that happened and that created a sense of uh global connection um when uh when hh was born it was out of out of that and yet it was also kind of a cry for the fact that we can't lose our um you know technology was becoming more prevalent and we started to realize that um we were pushing ourselves farther away um, or at least that's what I that's what I believed. And in 1984, um, one of my favorite researchers and and um, and people who was forecasting was Faith Popcorn, and she wrote a book called The F- Popcorn Report uh, about how we eventually we we would be cocooning. Um, and she she uh, created the word um, uh, uh, cocooning, not that she created the word, but the the definition around the cocooning for humanity was created because we would eventually find ourselves actually in the exact spot where we are now. Um, now, she she projected that this would hit us in uh, the early 2000s, which it did, and even more so as we went on, uh, which it did. And that that would be that we could be in our homes and basically have everybody have everything delivered to us, whether it was the internet or your groceries. It was, uh, you know, on-demand life. And our on-demand life became so... Um, so more technological that we stopped having uh, in in person relationships. Now, given everything that's gone on uh, and the purpose of your show, and how is everybody, you know, maintaining and and dealing with all of this? It's it's basically um, it's 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 taken away our control over connection, and so that's where. Um, the original idea of HDH and when I wrote HDH was at now where we're at, it's become a little bit different. The definition is, is still the same and yet it's changed. And the reason it's changed is because now we have new technology like augmented reality and virtual reality and autobots and bots and 
uh, email automation and the list goes on and how we now relate to technology is starting to put us farther and farther away even more so uh, then you bring in a pandemic and you bring in you know the idea that we we can't uh, be in relationship in a physical relationship as much as we used to you know that even creates a new um, definition around it so and 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 I'll, I'll finish with this because I know I'm kind of um, going off here but the, the <laughs> you're making the my job pretty easy thing, here <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing around it is that shareology my second book is um, was a was an was a um, really an more of an interview book and the book was around how to uh, why when how, how and where brands and people share and, and I took over 250 interviews of all walks of life. And I put all of those interviews into a uh, word cloud generator. I, I, I trans had them all transcribed and, and converted to transcripts. Then I uploaded every single one of them. And the biggest word for why people share and what they want from sharing is connection. And, um, and so you take connection on the greatest thing that every human wants and take that away from them. And and you can you can see how that has um, has has devastated our um, our our alignment with what we what we believe to be um, the thing that that is our true core value, our balance, our way of being. It's it's what fills us up, and we just took that away, um, or we had that taken away from us, I should say. And so um, so that throws up lots of questions and lots of things. But that's um, that's how HH has really evolved over time, and I see it evolving even more. Um, it's been written up in Ink Magazine and Fast Company and all kinds of things like year over year. Um, last year was in Ink, um, and the reason I think it keeps keeps coming back is because it keeps getting redefined. Um, and so that's where I think I find it most fascinating on how this thing has grown and and what it's become. It makes me wonder if this pandemic is making people yearning for human to human even more so, and therefore understanding the message of the book that much more. Yeah, it's absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's um, it creates a, a you know we we want we want something that we can't have anyway. I mean, it's like when you're when you were young and your parents said you can't drive the car yet or you you know you, you can't stay out till later than one like we as as not that we're all teenagers but well from a maturity level i i am <laughs> me too um yeah absolutely but when we can't we can't do something that we've been t we've already had and you you have your your thing taken away from you it it most certainly um becomes more desirable and then you take one of our most basic human needs of connection away. Um, abs I, 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 I do feel, though, that the one thing that it has delivered on, and I'm really grateful for, and I hope that this stays around, is empathy. Um, I think the em empathy meter has shot off the roof, and we've become a much more empathetic society just in the last six months. So, um, so that that is kind of cool. Uh, and that is one of the traits I talk about in the book of being um, one of the core values to uh, to being human um, empathy, and then the other two are simplicity and, and imperfection. But um, but if we can get a little bit more empathy into society, I think I think there is some good that can come of this. It seems like that first book of yours is one that could just be updated every every once in a while. Have you have you has that ever occurred to you, or do you, do you do you not want to uh, have to suffer through that again? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's something that I think about every year. 
um, and then I don't do it. Oh. <laughs> That's the best answer I got for you. I really, I really um, think that because I've got so many other book ideas and I'm starting to work on a new one um, right now. And it's, it is all in alignment with being human to human. Uh-huh. So it will be, it will be an, an, an extension of that book. Um, updating the book though, it's, um, it could be updated. Absolutely. I, I, um, yes, absolutely. I just don't do it. <laughs> it just seems <laughs> like it has such staying power. Maybe you could do a, you know, a, a fifth, uh, no, not fifth. It's already passed, but like a 10th, uh, anniversary or something. Brian Kramer, I'm full of ideas. I don't have to implement. So just be forewarned there. <laughs> what, uh, what's the, what's your, can you share with us what your, uh, next book uh, might be about? Yeah, I can. Um, although the title's still working, but um, but the idea and the concept behind the um, the next book is around uh, how small shifts can create big change. Um, and the reason that I'm really fascinated with that is because of all the things that I was talking about before, where we have all of these advances in life, um, technology, or um, or just even sparkling, sparkly, shiny objects of things that we're trying to accomplish. And, you know, there's lots of people that want to go out and create a podcast and a YouTube show and they, uh, and, and a, a newsletter and a, and they redo their website and, you know, how, how am I going to sell and what are sales? And, and it's just like, it's, it's so compounding and we've made life so complex in so many different ways for ourselves. And I really feel like we need to get back to the basics of creating smaller shifts. And so I'm creating, um, uh, first, first I'm creating a podcast and I'm just about to release it in the next few weeks that will be on this topic. And it's, it's epic humans that have made small shifts that really, uh, created massive outcomes. Um, like for instance, uh, and, and this will really kind of help understand the idea behind this. If you look at an aircraft carrier, like a massive aircraft carrier, um, and look at how an aircraft carrier uh, ha- uses uh, just like a just like anything else, it uses a GPS unit to be able to get to where it needs to go. Um, it ironically, still to this day, the technology uh, doesn't allow uh, allow for the GPS unit to be accurate all year round. It has to be updated. Uh, the computer system has to be updated. The magnet is is off by one degree over the course of a year. And, um, and it's, it, it, it becomes more and more off, um, over that year. So they have to adjust for it mathematically. And then eventually they actually reconfigure it and, and it's back on track. And so there, there are people that go in and actually do this. That's their job. Now, the reason I tell that story is because a one degree shift of being off that much for an aircraft carrier is somewhere around 277 miles. And so if you are an aircraft carrier that's off that much, you have completely missed your mark and you're way off course and you could have shifted back when it was um, possible. So, um, so I think the same thing about humans and I think the same thing about companies of any size, I think it applies to just about everything in life and how we actually look at the smaller shifts that will make such a big difference. Oh, interesting. It also seems more accessible. <laughs> In terms of, I, I I know exactly what you're talking about. I feel like I've got to reinvent the world every day. I have we all have this impulse to want to get a oh, massive amount of stuff done, but it's the the smaller things that where looking back, uh, I'm able to get those results. But 
Brian Kramer, more importantly, I know a guy who has this podcast where he interviews authors of new books. And uh, I'll tell you about it later, but I think I might be able to, you know, I I think you ought to be on his show. You know, if you know a guy and this guy is pretty reputable, I trust you and I'm willing to uh, just go based upon that relationship. Well, I didn't say this guy was reputable. So I, I don't know. That's, that's kind of a leap there. But uh, yeah, boy, I'd like to learn I'll learn more about it and uh, introduce it to uh, to my listeners. And one more podcast. You ha- I'm looking at your website here and uh, you've got these other uh, podcasts and uh, all of this uh, Brian Kramer world is going to be included in this episode's uh, blog post show notes at marketingbookcocktails.com. So let's talk briefly about shareology because again, the more I'm out there in the wild, uh, the more I appreciate that book. And I remember when I interviewed you, one of the last things you explained was that, in fact, I think I said the standard question, you know, if readers, readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? And if I'm not mistaken, you said, you are what you share. Yeah. <laughs> Explain that. Yeah. That's a good memory. Uh, I well, it had an impact, uh, man, but also I've seen it. <laughs> like, it's like when we're producing content for clients or, you know, hadn't, trying to get their social media up, you know, uh, uh, activated or, or, or keep it spinning. Um, right. I, I have now been able, you know, in a small way to be able to look back and see that is so true. The stuff that gets shared and discussed, yeah. it's more about the people making a statement about themselves. Absolutely. It, so it, um, it, it's, it's something where you can, that, that, um, that saying applies both in person and online. And the thing that we become most, uh, most excited about is what we end up sharing more about. And we find, I think we find ourselves like just naturally doing this. However, we can also, uh, sometimes hold back on sharing, things because we feel like, oh, the timing's not right. Or when is, when is that, you know, going to help other people or we might have imposter syndrome or there's all kinds of reasons why we might not share something. And yet um, what we're doing is we're holding back on, on really uh, uh, allowing everyone to understand where you're coming from uh, and how to best utilize you, how to, how to move toward you. Um, if if people only remembered me just for the HDH book, uh, then I uh, that would be fine and that would be great. But there's also so many more layers and exciting things to me. Um, I love to talk about all of it. And we are all three-dimensional human beings. We have so many different ways of being in our personal lives and our in our in our um, in our work lives. And so I believe in the fact that if we share in different different directions as we would in person or three dimensions, then it would be better. So like, for instance, if you look at a photograph uh, of a photographer, most of the time, a good photographer won't take something that's just centered every time. Oftentimes it's uh, the focal point is off to the left or off to the right. And that's called uh, taking a picture in thirds. And so if you were to apply that same thinking to how you share then you're being a lot more human and you're being more, uh, um, more, more, um, uh, people want to connect with you more because they're starting to see the many layers or peeling the onion, if you will, to take an old, 
um, uh, communications 101 aspect to it. When we peel the the layer of the onion, we start to get to know and, and like and trust people even more. And if you only shared that one thing all the time, A, you would people would be bored, but um, B, it wouldn't be your your only dimension. It wouldn't be the one thing that that you share in real reality. And so my suggestion is to share in that in in the rule of thirds. And to make sure that you're creating, uh, you're creating more uh, interesting things around not just yourself, but other people or other things. So share a third about yourself, a third about what other people are doing, highlight others, um, highlight what they're congrat congratulating them or, or showcasing or featuring, and then a third about the industry you're interested in, what's going on in the industry and, and curating and creating and, 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 and building content. That's that third piece that, uh, that creates the value piece. And so now you've really separated things out so that it's not just you all the time, or it's not just the industry all the time, or it's not just about other people all the time. And you're evenly spacing out what it means to be human, uh, and for people to get to know you. Mm. Brian, is there anything in this pandemic we're going through that has either surprised you or inspired you? Yeah, that would be, I don't know if you have time on the podcast um, for me to actually go through all the things that have inspired me because I'm really, uh, it's it's kind of scary how inspired I am from, from so many things that have happened. Well, Brian, as I mentioned before we started recording, I bought a lot of extra audio tape at Costco today <laughs> because they didn't have any toilet paper. So please <laughs> tell me what what are you observing? <laughs> um, so just not to take up. I know you bought a lot of audio tape. I feel so bad if I took it. Um, so there's nobody else coming on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing and is you're already drinking, so you're not going to get any more work done today. <laughs> No, that's done. That, that, that's over and out. Um, my Corona is just the third left, so we're doing all right. Okay. Um, yeah, I I think that the biggest thing is is that this has, um, you know, this is a pause. Um, it's pa it's paused everybody, and it's made everybody uh, really self reflective on who they are. Uh, what what they mean to the world, what is the definition, what's the purpose of where they are at and how are they going to get to the next place uh, for them. And uh, it's really just the biggest, biggest uh, place for self-reflection in this great pause. And so for me, that's that's really cool. Number two, it's gotten, my. I'll quote my wife, this is the year that fashion and FOMO are out of style. And that's oh, a really cool thing. I'm stealing that with full attribution, of course. <laughs> you know, no one cares about dressing up anymore and no one's taking pictures of themselves in anywhere else other than their house. So <laughs> FOMO's gone. Um, and so that's kind of cool that everybody is now on an even playing field and we can all see each other for who we are in this real, much more realistic world versus like the, you know, seeing other, everyone taking a perfect Instagram photo somewhere. Yes. Um, and so I think that that's really cool too. And then the third and last thing I would say is that it, um, it really highlighted relationships uh, in a much different way. 
and brought people either closer or farther away. Uh, it's like it's like somebody just took a tree with and shook it, and the leaves that fell down really, um, you know, fell, and you kind of you kind of see who's left and who's standing and who's with you and who are your friends and or who are you, who are you truly connected to or who did you want to be? And now is a great time to do that. Um, you know, or like great things like how many people have gotten on Zoom calls with families on birthdays and mm-hmm. really celebrated a person or celebrated an anniversary. Like it's, that's a really cool thing or driving by people's houses and honking and, and saying happy birthday. Like there are a lot of these great moments that just, we would have never had to celebrate people. And I think that's really cool too. Yes. I've also heard of this pandemic as the great reset. And I heard that on another one of these conversations with an author in Oakland, uh, Tara Nicole Nelson. Just thought that was it was very interesting, and she talked about also how there's a lot of reflection, and boy, has there been for me. And, and a lot of people are in businesses are making decisions, and there's, I'm hearing things like maybe we should have always been doing that, or why were we doing that, and <laughs> what what business are we in, what problem do we actually solve for customers? Because a lot of companies seem to be stepping back to you know uh, maybe paring down what their offering is, or or really focusing on their uh, reason for being. So you are a speaker, Dan. Do you still speak before the pandemic? 170 days a year, or did you you, you did scale that back? I pared it way down, way down. <laughs> so now I only speak about ten uh, about ten to fifteen times a year. Um, Sometimes this last year was obviously was probably my lowest, and the reason is because I've shifted to uh, co- a third of my. Uh, clients are are uh, either up and coming or existing speakers, authors, and mm-hmm. I work with them to get them get their message and their um and their platform and their uh, storytelling. And then also, I have a system for outreach that gets a forty nine percent reply rate for them to be able to get out there and be in virtual conferences or or on stage, uh, depending upon the the time that we're in. So I work with with. Uh, clients. And I really love that it fulfills me right now a little bit more uh, than being on airplanes and, and doing that kind of thing. Even before the pandemic, I, there's only so much, I want to, I don't want to go back to having uh, club sandwiches at midnight. So I'm, I'm, I'm really regulating that much more. Oh my goodness. Well, it has me wondering, I, I received a book about speaking not too long ago from uh, an author and I wanted to uh, interview him and, and talk about that. And it, the other day I was just thinking, Ooh, I'm not sure right now. What do you think speakers should be doing now? I, I, I like to think that it's all going to come back at some point. Uh, just not right now. What, what people who speak a lot, yeah. what should they be thinking about and doing? Well, so a lot of speakers, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of speakers, a majority, let's call it, use the same presentation all the time. And this is the coolest time to be able to come up with your new story, your new platform, your brand new content, and really fill it out so that when you come out of this, you're ready for the next evolution. I think that you're going to be busy as an as a um, as a, a book podcast podcaster about six to 12 months from now, there's going to be a lot of babies that are going to be born and you're going to be going nuts with how to choose which one to interview at that point. 
um, is my guess. I think over, uh, well, maybe around half of my clients are writing books right now, which is not normal. Oh, excellent. Um, and then I would say- Tell them about that, the marketing book um, podcast. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're the first up and I would be happy to. Um, and you would say, in fact, you already had Carla Johnson on. Uh, yes. She's working on a book on innovation. Yeah. I, th- I, I spoke right. to her and she said she'd submitted the first, I don't know, draft or whatever. So yeah. Excited. Yeah. 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 Very cool. She's one of your, yeah. one of your clients. Yes. Yes. Oh. Very. She, we've been working together for a little over two years and I'm absolutely one of her biggest fans. I love, I love working with her. Me too. Well, you hang out in good company. I, I pinch myself. I really do. Wow. I like the people that I work, get to work with. Well, I did hear from, I remember talking to another author, uh, Alan Gannett, who wrote The Creative Curve, and he was saying <laughs> suddenly he's on a externally imposed writer's sabbatical. <laughs> he said there was nothing, there else, go. Uh, nothing else he could do. So you, yeah. you talk about these books coming about. I heard a funny joke. Well, funny to me. It won't be now that I've disclosed that. But this one friend of mine who has kids, as do I, as do you. And he said, yeah, you hear about this uh, baby boom that's going to happen You know, nine months after this uh, pandemic. He said, I guarantee it's only going to be parents or, or families that didn't already have kids. <laughs> oh, did not have kids. <laughs> right. Yeah. He says it'll be. Uh, and then all the ones that uh, do have kids, particularly teenagers, uh, they, <laughs> they'll be saying, nope, nope, not, not going to happen. <laughs> Could happen. So, <laughs> at any rate, well, priorities. Yes, that's right. Well, and, and experience, I guess. But uh, I thought that yeah. was uh, kind of amusing. Uh, just about the time one of my kids was, well, I say driving me crazy, but uh, I'm, it, it's a two way street, I'm sure. And in fact, Brian Kramer, yeah. you're actually giving my kids a break. Uh, by talking to me for 45 minutes today, because it's that means they don't have to listen to me. So I, I'm sure they, they they send their heartfelt thanks to you for a little bit of Douglas daycare. Um, uh, last thing I want to ask. How, how old are your kids? They are 22 and 25. Oh, yeah. So, so they're fine. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fine. It's not like when they were younger, but they're, they're a couple of really good kids. And I can say that because I know they don't listen to this show, but they... <laughs> so our older is this is our son and then our daughter is 22 so she was a senior in college and came home for spring break and they said you can't come back and we can't do graduation either and our son he's been out of school for about two years and he had been living at the house here and uh he's a these days he's an emt in the outer banks and virginia beach Aww. and we were uh really worried about him catching the the virus yeah. naturally being a first responder. And we started asking him about, you know, like, could we rent a place for you for a year or six months just to, because we were worried about him bringing it home. Next thing we knew, some resort company in Virginia beach, they said, look, our, res- our hotels are empty, but if you're a first responder and you want a place to quasi self quarantine, come stay with us for free. So <laughs> diamond resorts, uh, that was the particular company, but they were, it was, it was one of those examples of a company that, you know, maybe they put one blog post on their website, but they were just doing something. They wanted to do something to help. And, you know, hospitality, I don't have to remind folks about how much they've been, um, they've been suffering, but so he'd been out, he'd been out there and he came home. Uh, so we're recording this uh, June 8th. So he came home just a couple of days ago because uh, the hotels were filling up again. 
<laughs> which is which is a good thing. It was good to have him back. So yeah, they're 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 good kids. They're not like uh, teenagers. But um, last question I wanted to ask you is something that you have talked about not too long ago on your blog, but also something that's really important that I don't know a fair number of people are getting attuned to, but what are ways, maybe some of the simple ways that people can improve their on-camera presence because we're all on camera now. Yeah, that's, um, and in fact, that's the the other thing that I would suggest to speakers is is um, getting their, their if they haven't already, uh, getting their home in order so that they can be camera ready at any mo- moment's notice or at least when um, they're supposed to be. And I, I think part of it is just fixing up your background and making sure that it's um, it looks it looks professional. It has the right components. It's uh, it, um, it, you know it also follows some kind of nice nicely designed um, uh, background that doesn't take away from you as the speaker. Uh, number two, and I know this is like really, these are simple things, but you know, if, if you're going to speak, then you got to be ready with a very fast internet. Um, you don't want somebody to hire you and not, and have your internet go out. So getting the fast speed, I know it's a, it's a, it's challenging to pay more for internet, but having internet is, um, is really, really, uh, you know, it's something that I use when people ask me to speak. I, I can say without a shadow of doubt, I won't go down, uh, meaning my internet won't go down. My uh, my computer is the latest. I have the latest audio um, as, as you ha- you and I have the same audio system and you know it's really good um, with the Heal, Heil or Heal system. Yeah, Heil um, PR40. Yeah, yeah, great audio. And and I have, uh, you know, a nice high-end camera with my Logitech, Logitech camera. And so you're going to get a great picture from me. And then I also have um, agnostic to the platform. And so I can work on Zoom. I can work on Microsoft Teams, which I've done last week. And, um, you know, sometimes it's on Skype and sometimes it's on, um, you know, you're using different platforms across uh, whatever, uh, go-to meeting. So, um, so really have all these things ready, be able to, uh, size your presentation. People want shorter presentations now. So getting down to a 30 minute or a 15 minute, uh, presentation is really important. People don't want to have like, like Cisco right now, instead of having their Cisco live, uh, full week conference, they're doing, they, they're doing three days, a three day conference because they just know people just don't have that much. Um, when they're sitting in front of a computer, they don't have that much of an emotional tie to what's happening in front of them. And so that you've got to shorten the content, make it, make it really good and really get, get down to just the bare basics of what content you're going to put out there. So I think um, be able to shorten your content and, and be okay and just really get to the bare the bones of what matters the most is, is super important too. Those are just some of them. There's so many others. Yeah, one that uh, makes a big difference that people don't always think about is sit in front of a window with natural light coming in on your face. In other words, don't sit in front of a window with the camera pointing outward towards the outside, because then you look like you're in the witness protection program. (laughs) I'm sitting here in front of a bay window in the study of my house, and it works really well. And uh, one other little tip is you don't not everybody needs to get a 
microphone like like we do. But there's one that I like. I have the same camera you do too, which I think a while back was only 60 bucks. A, the Logitech HD 1080, I think. And hopefully there there's a supply of those so the the price is going back down to um uh you know, normal prices. But there's another product by Logitech that I really like. And last time I checked on Amazon when they were selling them, they were only like $25, but it's the H390 headset, which I encourage listener or guests to use if they don't have, you know, most of them don't have uh, microphones like we do. Those are two things that are really worth the uh, investment. And I use a Mac and one application that I've purchased, I don't know, it was three bucks or something, but it was called Webcam Settings. Yeah, I've got it as well. Yeah. My favorite thing. And you're able then to uh, zoom in or zoom out. And if you can get more of your face on the camera, it's better. And uh, so when we first started, I'm here in my study and I still haven't cleaned it up because we're still emptying out the office, but I have a screen behind me and I noticed I didn't have webcam settings on. So you were able to see beyond the screen and all the messy books and, and bookshelves behind me. But those are a couple of things that really make a big difference. And nobody's really ever going to say anything to you when you're on a call like that. But I think it makes a big difference to with the subconscious of the person who's listening to you. The other thing about having a headset and a microphone is two things that a lot of people miss. You're able to hear the other people on the call so much better. If you've ever been on a call where people are saying, oh, can you repeat that? Can you repeat that? Don't be that guy. (laughs) But more importantly, when you're speaking into a microphone, you know, simple headset, um, the other guests on in the meeting are able to, to hear you better. So... Especially if you're somebody like me who can't hear to begin with. Oh, all that rock and roll music, yeah. huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I can't. Uh, yeah, I was actually in the field artillery in the Army and uh, for a few years. And people say, what was it like? And I say, you know, what was it like in the Army? And I say it was really loud. And unfortunately, uh, years later, when my I got married and my wife accused me of not listening to her, one time I said, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I lost a lot of hearing when I was in the artillery. That didn't work. Not even the first time I tried it. <laughs> smart so, woman. Oh, yeah. We both married up, clearly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> smart, yeah. smart, very smart women. So, well, Brian Kramer, I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to catch up with you after five years here on the Marketing Book Podcast in this special edition of Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. And I hope you and your family and everyone in your world continues to stay safe. And I hope that uh, you'll keep me posted on this uh, next book. Wonderful. I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank you as well. And I'm, I've missed you and I'm uh, glad that we got to con- connect again. And, and I'm looking forward to more to come. There's so many cool things that are going to happen out of this. 